Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. But here we are, friends, what's up? You guys, you guys seem a little quiet tonight. You guys still are kind of re- recouping from desperation? You're not even wrong. <laughs> Who said that? Hi. Hi, Hunter. Um, yeah, that's real. I'm, I'm also still recouping from Despo. It was a beautiful time. Who, who was at conference this past week? <laughs> who of y'all is your first desperation conference you've ever been to? Wow. Oh, wow. Wait, raise your hand again over here. I was only looking over here. Wow. That is, oh, oh man. That's beautiful. Y'all, that was, conference this year was my ninth desperation um, and man, it, it hit all the, the sentimental um, feels, just like ninth despo. Last year, I was here, but it was online, so it was like, I, maybe some of you were there, that recording, but it just didn't seem like desperation, so getting to be a part of leading it this year was just like, oh my gosh, Lord, you're so good. Um, it was such a beautiful time. Well, hey, like, like Pastor Victor kind of, kind of talked about, um, we're doing remember and celebrate today. Everyone say Remember. Remember. And say celebrate. celebrate. Remember and celebrate is huge because as the people of God, this is how we're called to live. We see this rhythm all throughout the Old Testament. Pastor Victor talked about how they would build memorials after God did something incredible. They, they crossed the Jordan River and they crossed the Red Sea. They, they build these memorials because it helps them remember it's something physical that they can do to say, God, this was only you. You're worthy. But also, the people celebrate. I don't know if you know anything about Jewish culture, but they have a lot of feasts. Like, they eat a lot of food together to celebrate. I kind of wish I grew up in a Jewish, Jewish culture. That would be, that'd be awesome. But we, but we see in this culture this, this importance of remembering and celebrating. And we, as the people of God, are called to do the same thing. And this is our last week in, in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, this, this, this series has been incredible to me. I've learned so much. I hope you guys have learned a lot, and the Lord has spoken a lot through these last, last month, month and a half. So this first week, we talked about how Jesus is the Messiah. Everyone say the Messiah. And the Messiah was the one that was promised to come and bring liberty to all people. And we see that, that Jesus comes, and he says in Luke 4 that he, he opens up the scroll from the book of Isaiah, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because I've been anointed to bring and, and pronounce good news and to, to set blind eyes open and to set the captives free and, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we saw this, this need we have for a Messiah, a Savior. Uh, we had two dear friends up here when Pastor Tim was speaking, uh, Caleb Sheeran and Chase Arnold, and they had to get, Chase, was it 200 push-ups? <laughs> I don't know if y'all saw Chase, he said. Chase did not get 200 push-ups and neither did Caleb Sheeran. Where are you, Caleb? Caleb, where are you? Oh, there you are. Yeah, both, both dudes are studs, athletes in their own way. I don't know how many you got. All I know is the game changed when, when Pastor Tim says, where is my bride? Where's Mariah? Mariah comes sprinting in and knocks out 67 push-ups in a row. Like, we were like, shoot, oh my gosh. Like, all the girls were like, oh my gosh, I want to be Miss Mariah. And all the guys were like, oh my gosh, I want to be Miss Mariah. Like, it was incredible. But, but we saw that this, this need that we are people that cannot reconnect ourselves 
to God, right? We need a Messiah, a savior, someone to step in to the gap. And we see that the kingdom that Jesus comes to bring as the Messiah is one that no one else thought it would be. He thought he was gonna come and kick Roman butt and come and set everything right and sit on a throne and have a big army. But Jesus comes to serve. He goes to the least of the people, the people that are looked down upon to love them and to serve them and to walk with them. This is what it means that Jesus is the Messiah. Second week, we talked about how Jesus is merciful. Everyone say merciful. This message, I got to preach it in high school and Miss Catherine's over in junior high. And man, this, this message really messed me up. It's like still, it's still hitting me. We talked about the passage where Jesus says, love your enemies and, and do good to those who hate you. Uh, speak well or bless those who, who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. And he says, if someone wants to steal, if someone wants to steal your tunic uh, or your shirt, give them your tunic also. And, and that hit me because I started like contextualizing it. Some, I kind of embarrassed myself when I spoke about this. I asked how many people were sneakerheads. There's like four of you. And I was like, I just felt so alone up here. I was like, come on. But I talked about it. If someone was like, give me your Air Force Ones. How many of you guys know what Air Force Ones are, the shoes? Oh, okay. We, how many of you guys know what Nike Blazers are? Okay, we got a better, we got a, a better crowd for me tonight. Um, but I, I was like imagining like if, if I was getting stolen from, robbed, that's a better way of saying it. If I was getting robbed and someone's like, give me your Air Force Ones and God was like, actually go the extra mile, give them your blazers. These, it's the shoes I'm wearing tonight. They're my favorite shoes. And, and I, I would struggle. I'd be like, God, like they don't even deserve this. And, and what I went on to talk about was in Romans 5, God says, or um, Paul says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. That while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. That if we think this person has no right for any mercy, they take advantage of me, they speak badly of me, Jesus flips it and says, you continue to sin over and over, you continue to forget God over and over, but in his mercy, he chooses to die for you and me, knowing how many times we'd mess up. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? That's good. <laughs> Um, and then after that, we talked about how Jesus is glorious. We talked about how Jesus calls us to take up our cross and to follow him and deny ourselves. It's this challenging passage. And we anchored it in this thing that Jesus is worthy of our lives, of us laying ourselves down because he's glorious. And we have these two stories of, of Peter standing up and saying, you are the Christ of God, the Messiah of God. And it's like he got it, that Jesus was truly the son of God, which meant he was worthy of following and eight days after Jesus says to take up, um, to, to take up your cross and deny yourself, he, there's the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus like, takes on this like, heavenly body and Peter, James, and John are getting sleepy and then all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, Jesus is God and he's in glory right in front of me. Like what the heck? It, it's this incredible story, but we anchor this reason. We lay down our lives for the sake of the gospel and for Jesus because he's worthy, because he's God. And then the week after that, I talked about how Jesus is holy. Everyone say holy. It's this word in church. It's a very churchy word. That I feel like everyone's like, oh, holy. Like, we don't like talking about the holiness of God. It seems like judgmental. No, no, no. It means that Jesus is so much higher, better, and set apart from anything in the world. And he calls us to be holy as well. And as we reflect on, on this series, today we're going to be talking about uh, our, king, uh, our commission as people of the kingdom. We're going to be opening up to Luke 24. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. You know, I was singing loud back there during worship. My throat feels dry. So just give me plenty of water breaks. All right. All right. You guys need to talk back to me. Okay. You guys go. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. 
Luke 24. And as we, we dive into this, we're going we're to be talking tonight about but what it means to witness about Jesus, to preach the gospel and to be his followers. Now, be honest with me for a second. How many of you guys, when we talk about witnessing to others or, or going and preaching the gospel or maybe going to pray for someone, how, how many of you kind of get a little scared when you think about that? I'll raise my hand because that's, that's so real. It's, it can be a little scary. Like God like hits you with like, go pray for that person You're in the grocery store. I don't want them to think I'm creepy. Like, how do I like, how do I approach? I don't want to come up behind them and scare them. Has that ever happened to you guys? Like, I'm just worshiping. Someone puts their hand on my shoulder. I'm like, what just happened? Like, I, we think through all these things. I can be, feel like this scary thing. But it's so, so crucial that we have the right mindset and theology about, about why we witness and what it means to witness. Because I think some of us think it's just this, like this duty that it's like, you just have to go and you have to go and preach the gospel. You have to do, do, do all these things. And it becomes this very like demanding legalistic thing, right? When in reality, witnessing is simply a response to the goodness of God, which is why I love that we're talking about remember and celebrate. Because when I remember who God is, I want to share that good news. And a few weeks ago, I, I shared this story. But when I was like four or five years old, I got this, this little kid's drum set on Christmas Eve. It was, it was like so epic. It was everything I wanted. I'd watch drummers over on a Sunday morning service and be like, I want to be like Daniel Grothy. Oh my gosh. Uh, and and it was, that was like all I wanted as a kid. And so on Christmas Eve, I snuck down to my grandparents' room. They're, they're uh, packing the presents and everything. And I went in without knocking because I just wanted to see what I was going to get. Guys, that's the, sin, the sinful condition, sinful nature right there. I couldn't wait. Um, but I, I open that door and I see it. It's the drum set that I wanted. And I'm like losing my mind. So we used to have the tradition that we'd open one Christmas present on Christmas Eve, but I blew it by going down and sneaking down on Christmas Eve. So I think that's the last time we did it. But I talked about when I got this thing, I just couldn't stop playing it. It was just so, it was like, Oh my gosh, I was getting lost in it. It was so incredible. And I, was, I was telling everyone, oh, I, got, I got this drum set. Like everyone in the room could see I got the drum set. But I'm still telling everyone, I got the drum oh, like, I'm losing my mind. And one of my favorite moments about this is, is where's Pastor Victor? Where's Pastor Victor? He, oh, he's up there. Oh, he's up there. Hi, Pastor Victor. That's so funny. Um, but one of my favorite memories is Pastor Victor was just my biggest hype man and was just dancing like, like David in the Bible dancing, just losing his mind and going in. And it's one of my favorite memories. But because I talked about it a few weeks ago, I thought just sharing the story again wouldn't do it justice. So turn your attention to the screen to watch something super epic. Just wait, just wait. The payoff is coming.
We got, <laughs> come on. Thankfully, Pastor Victor has changed from going Old Town Road style to, to hair flipping in the back with, with his hat falling off during Glorious Day. It's an improvement, guys, don't worry. But I, I just had my, shout out to my mom. She went through hours of family videos to find this the last two days. So shout out to my mom, shout out to my mom. But the point is, us testifying and witnessing and preaching the gospel, whatever word you like to use, it's not about, ah, God told me to do this, okay, like, hey, God's really good, he died and rose again, thank you. Like, no, us testifying and witnessing about Jesus is out of response. How, how can we not share? When we talk about Jesus being merciful, oh, I'm the one that deserves the cross, I'm the one that deserves eternal separation, from the Lord, oh, I'm the one that doesn't deserve any good thing, I have to share about that. It's not about how I look, or it doesn't matter. It's that Jesus has done this for me. I need to respond. Amen? Amen. Amen. So go ahead and look at Luke 24 with me. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. Let me set some quick context in, verse, in the first few verses of Luke 24. Something kind of big happens. Um, Jesus raises from the dead. So very big to know. So it's post-resurrection, but the disciples are still disheartened. Um, Mary and Mary go to the tomb and they see that the tomb is empty and the angel appears, all that stuff, but, but no one believes them. They're like, no, don't, don't play with us like that. Last three days we've been mourning because this guy who we thought was the Messiah, he's, he's dead. It's over. So we have two, we're going to pick up in, in verse um, 13, and there's two disciples on the road to Emmaus. So here we go. Verse 13, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. Everyone say Emmaus. I thought that'd make a cool name for a kid. Chase, Chase, your next son, Emmaus. No? Okay. (laughs) He said, ah. About seven miles from Jerusalem. Y'all, we live in a good day. Walking seven miles just does not sound like a move. Like, that's doing that every day. That's a lot. Seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So what we have going on is, is Jesus appears to these two disciples, but, but they, don't, they, don't, um, they don't recognize him as, as Jesus. He's resurrected, he's got a new body, and so that's basically all that happens. We can go to the next, next passage. Verse 25, so basically the two disciples on the road to Emmaus basically say, you know, they're telling Jesus, yeah, this guy, we thought he was the Messiah, we were following him, and he's dead now, disheartened. Verse 25, and, he, and Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Everyone say his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. When he was at table with them, he took the bread. Oh, sorry, I, I skipped a little bit. Basically, they invite Jesus to come and stay with them and eat a meal. So he comes over to their crib, and that's where we pick up in verse 30. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. This is some superpower stuff. Like, Pastor Chase's time of the life of faith not being boring. You read the Bible, and it's like, there are people with superpowers in the Bible. Oh my gosh, it's so cool. Um, Jesus vanishes from their sight. They said, to, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us 
on the road while he opened to us the scriptures. I love that, I love that. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and those who, had a, and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. So now all the, or a bunch of the disciples are together and now they're all saying, Jesus really rose from the dead. He really did this. And hey, he, he appeared to, to Peter. And then, hey, he appeared to us and he broke bread and we realized it was Jesus. And then we go on to this next passage. What happens here is, once again, more superpower stuff, Jesus in his, in his resurrected body. There, it says in another gospel account that the doors are closed and locked because they were afraid that the Pharisees were gonna think that they stole the body uh, to fake the resurrection. But Obviously, we, didn't, we know it didn't happen. So doors are locked. They're, they're scared out of their mind. And Jesus just like appears. I don't know if he like, I don't know if any of you guys like watch the flash of like he like phases through the wall or the door or if he just like literally just like, like, I don't know. I don't know. But Jesus appears in, the, in a closed locked room. It's insane. Verse 44, then he said to them, Jesus says to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day arise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses. Everyone say witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. That's the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God in which the people of, people of God respond saying, thanks be to God. Let's go ahead and pray together. Jesus, we love you. We, we really love you and we really mean that. And I thank you that we can sing and proclaim your, your forgiveness of sins, the death and resurrection, because it's true. And Lord, that changes everything. That gives us hope. That gives us life. That gives us purpose. That gives us the entire reason why, why we exist and why we live. So God, would we respond to you with our lives and worship? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what we see in this passage is Jesus revealing himself after he's resurrected from the dead. And I want to go quickly so we can kind of get to the end where we're really going to land. But I want to suggest to you three ways that Jesus reveals himself and as we talk about these three ways, um, in these three ways are the same ways that we can witness and testify about Jesus. That's so kind of laid out for us in this passage. Sometimes, sometimes I think with, with witnessing and preaching the gospel, we think we've got to come up with something really good. Like if I say a fire quote that like Pastor Glenn or Pastor Daniel would say, then like that's going to get people saved. Let me tell you, it's not on you to get people saved, okay? It's the work of the Holy Spirit. We're just, we're just witnesses. Like coming into court... Like, you just, you just tell what happened. You're not making this stuff up. And no, you're, you're just telling the truth. Let me tell you, the truth sets people free. The truth enlightens minds. So, so the first way Jesus reveals himself in this passage is through scripture. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write that down. Jesus reveals himself through scripture. We see this time and time again that, that Jesus opens up the scriptures to his disciples. He's walking with the, with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And I, they say this thing that I love. They say, did not our hearts burn within us while he, while he taught us? And he, when he opened up the scriptures, it was like, 
oh, I feel something like that real, like, oh, this is really what truth is, like the truest form of truth there is. Jesus was opening it to them through the scriptures. And we see that when their eyes are open, then they remembered, oh, Jesus, like he's the one that fulfills all these scriptures. And then when he appears to all the disciples after he like teleports or phases through a closed locked place, then Jesus says, it was written in, in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms that the, the Messiah must suffer and, and raised from the dead. And we see even just the validity of the Bible, the fact that all the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus were true. Hey, if you're talking right now, we're, we're wrapping up like decently soon. Just focus in with me for a few minutes. And we see that all these prophecies actually point to the Bible's inerrancy. I mean, it's, it's free from error and it's true that the things testified and prophesied about Jesus actually came true. So, so we see that scripture testifies to Jesus um, being the Messiah, and it's our foundation for proclaiming the death and resurrection and the call to repentance. And this is what I want to challenge you guys to do, is to ask Jesus to open up the scriptures to your heart. How many of you guys, sometimes you, you're reading the Bible, and you're just sitting there like, I got nothing out of that. That's, that's me sometimes, yeah. That's, I think that's like every single Christian, and it's okay to have those days. You're like, you want a good quiet time, and you're just like, I read this, and I don't know what this means. Just what I want to encourage you guys to do is pray. It's, it's super practical. We're like, Jesus, help me to understand what you want to communicate to me about who you are through Scripture. That's why we have the Bible. Like, yeah, there's cool stories in the Bible, and we can kind of preach about cool things in the Bible, but really the, the importance is it testifies to who our God is. In the Old and New Testament, it shows who our God is. This is why we, we preach the Gospel of Luke, and we see that Jesus is the Messiah and holy and merciful and so on and so forth. So, Pray that the Lord would open up the scriptures to your mind. And this is what happens. The more you, the more you ingest this, this word, it is like what Pastor David Perkins said, desperation. What you, what you consume, you, you hunger for. When I, eat a lot of, when I eat at taco trucks a lot, I get really hungry for tacos pretty often. I'm a huge taco truck guy. I, at the, in Tulsa, where ORU is, there are some incredible incredible uh, taco trucks. So it's like when I eat those, then I want to keep going back. So when, when, when we constantly ingest the word, we read it, it kind of, first of all, we crave more of it, but also it just comes out of us. It's just, it's natural. We're in a conversation and, and scripture kind of flows from our tongues. You can't just, oh, I, I've never read the Bible, but let me, as I'm preaching, just come up with stuff. No, just dedicate yourself to learning more about who God is through the scripture and you'll have the words to speak when you're witnessing. So the first way Jesus reveals himself is through scripture. Everyone say scripture. scripture. Secondly, we see Jesus reveal himself through communion. Everyone say communion. communion. So we see that, that Jesus, with the uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus, when he gets to their house finally, they still don't recognize him until he breaks the bread which is a reminder of what he did during the Last Supper with his disciples. He, he breaks the bread. He says, hey, this is my body. This is a symbol of how my body will be broken for you and how my blood and the wine will be shed for you. And we see that, that Christ reveals himself through this idea of remembrance, through communion. So as we talk about remember and celebrate, we remember God. But when we take communion, we're reminded of what he's done for us. Right? We're reminded of his goodness and his faithfulness that when I take that little disgusting cracker and, and I break it, oh, Jesus, this was your body, broken, snapped, torn apart for me. And that's, that's why communion is not a light thing. 
We're gonna take communion later tonight, and I wanna encourage you guys, it's not a light thing. It's, it's something to remember the vicious, hard sacrifice that Jesus made for you and I. So we see that Jesus reveals himself through, through taking communion and, and breaking bread with his disciples. But communion also has a kind of another meaning in the early church. I'm kind of stealing the thunder because after we come back from our little summer break, um, we're gonna be opening up in the book of Acts. But we see that the early church, they would take communion all the time, but it wasn't just like a little, little packet. I, I'm kind of jealous, but when you, when you have 300 people in a room, I guess we get the packets. But they, they would have whole meals together and breaking the bread was, yes, it was a remembrance, but it was also a thing about community, right? It's what the church did. They'd break bread and drink wine and, and, and they'd have that community together in, in having meals and sharing stories, which is what we do on Remember and Celebrate. We testify about desperation of, hey, the Lord spoke this or did this or gave me faith for this. And sharing stories and breaking bread and, and drinking wine together, it was, it was this thing of, of community. And let me tell you that there's something so special about when the church is unified, right? When, when we're united with our brothers and sisters, we stand as a witness, not just in ourselves, we stand as a family of witnesses. And what I want to call you guys to do is within your friend groups, with, with people here on Wednesday nights, is be, is be that community. Witness to Jesus, or witness about Jesus when you're with your friends. That the way you guys live testifies to Jesus. That when you're, you're at In-N-Out with all your friends, you look at the cashier and just simply look them in the eye and say, hey, thank you so much. You, you talk to people kindly. You, you walk in love and kindness, and when you do that as a family, it testifies about Jesus. Okay, so as we see that, Jesus also reveals himself through the example of the church. Everyone say the church. And let me tell you, the church is not just a Sunday morning thing. Like, we're part of the church. We, we are the body of Christ. And you guys are equally members of the body of Christ as the old people and the middle-aged people and the young people. You guys track with me? You guys have an important role to play in the body of Christ. And you can testify about Jesus through the way you interact with each other. I'm even, I just feel led to, to give you guys this challenge. This is a big youth group, right? Like, look, look around the room real quick. How, and you can probably realize how many people you don't know. And for some of you, this is a very lonely place, if you were to be honest. Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. This can be a very lonely place for some people. And what I want to call you guys to is to be the church and to go after the people that are lonely or marginalized. Because that's what Jesus would do. Jesus didn't look at where the crowds were. And, oh, there's the Pharisees. That's the in crowd. Those are the people that get it. They have high status. No, he went to the people that were blind and they were looked down upon as, as sinful and unclean. He, he stoops down to talk to a woman who was living in sin, who was living in constant sin in adultery. And, and, he, and he has a conversation with her. Brothers and sisters, what it looks like to testify about Jesus is to love all people. It's to love the marginalized. It's to love the people that you find kind of weird and you don't really know how to relate with them. It's, it's to love the people that you do relate with and to love them with a the love that, that Christ loves them with. And what I'm calling you guys to do is, is this every Wednesday night that we come, go, go and talk to someone you've never talked to before. Get their name, write it down. It could be in your phone, on your notes. It could be on a piece of paper. Remember their name and just try, try to see them every week. Every week that they're there, hey, Jack, I'm so glad you're here, bro. How was your week? 
How's school? Just, you can ask simple questions, but help people to know that they are seen. Because when we see people and know people and love people, we get to testify that Jesus sees, knows, and loves people. Amen? You guys tracking with me? I'm calling you guys to do that. You're not little eight-year-olds that's like, I'm just gonna stay with my friends. It's like, you guys are young adults. You can do this. You have to like go after people and pursue people because that's what Jesus does. Amen? Amen? I'm talking to you guys like adults. You guys aren't kids. That's, I hate in youth ministry when people talk to you guys like you're like eight-year-olds. You guys are young adults. Like you're going into the real world soon. It's like, you can do this for yourself and that's what we're calling you guys into. So we got scripture. We got communion. Thirdly, we see that Jesus reveals himself the teaching and the power of the Holy Spirit. Everyone say Holy Spirit. So we see, I'm, I'm gonna steal a little bit of content from the Gospel of John because I love how he puts it in John 14 as Jesus is kind of teaching right before he's about to go to the cross. It's like his, his like need to know is for the disciples, kind of how you can look at it in John like 14, 15, 16. And he says that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. This is John 14, 26. I didn't make a slide for it. It's my bad. I'm sorry, y'all. But John 14, 26 says, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to remembrance the things that I have taught you. So the Holy Spirit, we, we talk about the Holy Spirit and there's a lot of different ways. And sometimes I think the Holy, we think the Holy Spirit, like the presence of God is just like goosebumps. Like we're in worship and we're just like, oh, like I feel the Holy Spirit. He does that and it's beautiful. But also like he's a teacher. He teaches us about Jesus. When we open up the scriptures, we can say, Holy Spirit, would you reveal what this means to me? Or, or Holy Spirit, I, um, I don't know what this person needs. They look like they're having a hard day. Would you give me words to speak? It's not like this like, magical, like, oh, I, I feel the Holy Spirit now. Like, I, did, I did the ritual. I did something. To, it's like, no, like, if you believe in Jesus and the death and resurrection, you proclaim him as your savior and you are following him, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And it doesn't always feel like this, like, like this weight's dropped on you. It's, it's, it's just this confidence of I'm walking and I'm in the grocery store and I see this person. They look like they're having a hard day. So I'm going to just go and, oh, the Holy Spirit's kind of nudging me just to say, like, hey, how are you doing? And, and you start a conversation. Or maybe you're in worship and the Holy Spirit gives you a word for someone. Maybe it's someone you know. The awkward ones are when you don't know them. And once again, you're kind of like, oh, how do I go over and start a conversation? This is awkward. But the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say. Jesus, many times when he's commanding the disciples to go out, says, don't, don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you words. Even there's been times that the Lord's told me to go give a word to someone. And I'll say, like, awesome, Lord. Like, what do you want me to say? And he's like, I'll tell you. It's like, bruh. Like, I got to walk over to this person. Say, hey man, how's it going? What's your name? Okay, good to meet you. And just like, just wait. And like, it's, it's kind of awkward because like, I'm not even listening for their name because I'm just like, Holy Spirit, give me something, give me something, give me something. But it's like, but then often like the Holy Spirit will give me something. And, and, and as I trust him, as I simply just walk with him, he gives me words to say. He teaches me what to say. And this is what it looks like to witness to, to who Jesus is, is just relying on the Holy Spirit. I, I've had this conversation with so many people, but I think, I think one of the most important lessons, if not the most important lesson we learn on earth, is to trust God and depend on him, right? It's, okay, I, I, God, I trust you with, with this decision of what college I'm gonna go to or, or what high school I'm gonna go to or if I'm gonna play this sport or this sport or whatever. We, we trust him with a decision, then it's like, you know, 
Like, Pastor Chase, he has to learn how to trust God with like, okay, I have a son now, so how do I, how do I do this father thing? That, that's something he's never learned before. You don't just like, oh, I know how to do this. I know how to trust God. It's like, as we go into new seasons of life, we learn how to trust God with different things. I think that's beautiful because it causes us to love God more. So what I'm calling you guys to do is just trust that the Holy Spirit will give you words to speak when you're witnessing about Jesus. Secondly, we also see that the power of the Holy Spirit bears witness to the person of Jesus. We're gonna look at verse 49 real quick. And in verse 49 it says, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. It's not just around you, this, this, the Holy Spirit is upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit still moves in signs and wonders and power today. He's still moving in signs and wonders and power today. The people at Desperation Conference were healed. And the people on Sunday morning service were healed. It's not just like a big conference. This happens. As, as, you, as we go and pray for people, we, we can see people healed. As we pray for people, we can see people get set free from addictions. I've seen it. It's, it's the truth of my life. That, that the Holy Spirit set me, set me free from addiction I struggled with, and there's no way I could get out of it. And the Lord did it for me. Brothers and sisters, we serve a God who is powerful, amen? Amen, we serve a God that is still moving. He didn't, he, Jesus didn't rise from the dead and say, all right, like Trinity, Father, Holy Spirit, let's just chill, let them witness and do their thing, like we've done our work. No, 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 God is still living and active. He's active, he's moving, he's pursuing our hearts. He wants to speak and he wants to speak to the people around you. And, and God doesn't have to use us. There are countless stories of God you know, speaking to people in dreams or visions or doing miraculous, miraculous things that point, to, that point people to Jesus, and it's beautiful. But I think he invites us to witness. He invites us because, well, oh, when I, when I share the gospel with this person, when I see the joy that they get to receive when they, when they receive Christ, oh, it encourages my faith. Have you guys ever been someone that, around someone that like, they just, they just got saved and you've been saved for a long time, but like they, they just started walking with Jesus and they're just like, oh my gosh, this is, how have I not believed this my whole life? It's so incredible. There's this newness, there's this richness. And I think Jesus just invites us into, into the kingdom with him, into his kingdom work with him. And that is so beautiful. So we see that Jesus reveals himself through the teaching and the power of the Holy Spirit. I wanna invite the worship team in those helping with communion to come on up. I told y'all my throat is dry, dry. Um, now some of you guys, as, as we reflect and remember on the series, there, there, we've preached on some tough stuff this, this series. Jesus' words, if you haven't figured this out by now, are, are honestly pretty, pretty savage. He says some things that it's like, Oh my gosh, you're calling me, you're calling me to deny myself and take up my cross? Like, I can't do that. Which is the point. You can't do it by yourself. Or you're calling me to love my enemy? Like, God, my, my parents are the worst to me. They, they speak so harshly to me. And you want me to forgive them? You want me to love them the way that, that you love me? God, I can't do that. God, my sibling drives me out of my mind and you're asking me just to keep loving them and be patient with them? God, how do I do this? 
You're, you're calling me to, to witness to people, to go out of my comfort zone and lay down my own dignity and rights and, oh, this, if I do this at my school, people are going to look at me, God. There's going to be people that they look at me and like, oh, that's, the, that's that Christian guy. That's that Christian guy, Chase or, or Esther. That's that Christian person that they just do their weird like witnessing thing. That's weird. Brothers and sisters, we're coming back to the worthiness of God in this. That the only reason we live a life of faith is because Jesus is worthy. Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. Press in with me, y'all. This is our last um, service for a few weeks. I want you guys to get this. I feel the sense of urgency from the Lord of he's calling you into this and he's inviting you into this. But it's serious and it's heavy. And sometimes it's really uncomfortable. And sometimes I, I don't want to do it, if I were to be honest. Sometimes I don't want to go and pray in boldness. And sometimes we pray for someone we don't see anything. And that doesn't mean we did something wrong or you didn't say the right words or that's on you. No, 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 no. If you're obedient to the Holy Spirit, you did what you're supposed to do. And the Lord will take it from there. He doesn't, he's not sitting there like, oh, he didn't pray the right words. Oh gosh, I can't heal this person anymore. No, that's not, that's not our father. Brothers and sisters, as we, as we look back on this, on this series, on the Gospel of Luke, as we've, we've seen what it looks like to live in the kingdom way by taking a look at who our king is, I wanna to suggest to you one thing. We're gonna put it up on the screen. That following Jesus is a life of responding to the goodness of God. It's a life of response. It's not a life of initiating. If that was the case, we'd all be going to hell. We wouldn't be saved. You and I would be hopeless. Everything would be pointless. Straight up. That's exactly how it would be. If Jesus didn't initiate, we'd have no hope. We'd have no purpose. We'd come, we'd, we'd get all that. We talk about this in, in Luke 9, where Jesus says, if you, if you get all the things in the world, but lose your soul, what, what does that gain you? You could get everything you ever want, the thing that you think will get you purpose, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, that scholarship, that, that go, getting into that college or or being, being that guy or that girl at, at school, the athlete, the musician, you fill in the blank, whatever it is for you. You could get there, and once you get there, it'll feel good for a little bit. It feels good to arrive. Then, and then you're gonna come to the end of yourself and realize it's pretty pointless. It's pretty purposeless. Let me tell you that following Jesus, it is costly. It is hard. It's not, it's not this cakewalk of like, oh, I'm happy. Like the goodness of God is just like, there's some days I'm like, what goodness? <laughs> like I'm, I struggle sometimes on the day to day. And that's why we remember. Everyone say remember. Everyone say remember. That's not about us initiating, oh, I'm not, I'm not feeling God anymore. So, so I, I need to, to worship like these people and just, just go ham and just like, uh, like gain it. No, 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 no. Guys, that's not what the Father is inviting you into. He's initiated by, by coming to earth in the person of Jesus and dying and raising again and speaking and, and, uh, and allowing us to feel his presence, which is a miracle. It's not, it's not something like we earn or deserve. It's a privilege, a privilege that he gives us. And guys, as long as we try to live 
a lifestyle of I initiate, I'm the one that gets me into the presence of God and okay, I have to do this witnessing thing because I'm supposed to as a Christian. We're gonna miss the point the entire time. We aren't slaves. Everyone look at me. We're not, we're not slaves. We're sons and daughters. What good father or good mother would just tell you to do all of these things just so they can get what they want? Guys, that is not our father in heaven. He doesn't need us. He wasn't sitting up there in heaven like lonely and like, this is, hey Jesus, Holy Spirit, it's pretty boring up here. You wanna create some people? Yeah, they're gonna mess it up. We'll give us something to do. Jesus, are you okay with dying? Okay, like, that's, that's not what happens, no. God created us for, for relationship with him. He created us to follow him because it's the best thing for us, not the easiest, but it's the best thing. And I can tell you when I look back on 20 years of my life and, and Pastor Chase can look back as he's, as he's stepping into the season of being a father and he's a husband and, and Pastor Victor and, and, and Miss Catherine and Pastor Tim and Pastor Glenn and Pastor Daniel and any, any person that's walked with Jesus and tell you sometimes it was so hard, it was always worth it. Yep. So this is what I'm calling you guys to tonight. Let's respond to the goodness of God. If you feel like you can't remember anything, guys, that's, that's truth right there. That's truth right there. The Old Testament writers are pointing to that moment for years, years, thousands of years. When the death and resurrection of Jesus happens, guys, everything changes. We're allowed relationship with God. If you're having a hard time of, oh God, I feel like I'm going through a lot. I don't feel like you're, you're good right now. First of all, let me tell you, there's hope. He will make all things new. He will restore all things. He's working all things for the best for you, which doesn't always look like what you want, but it looks like being closer to Jesus by the end of it. So this is what we're gonna do. I want you guys to stand up. We're going to take communion we're gonna have a few ushers to kind of guide you through um, how we're going to move this, but don't open up your communion elements until I come back up um, and we're gonna take communion together. But as we sing this song about the life of Jesus, what he's done for us, him being our hope, don't, don't just sing the words because it's catchy and Lauren slays this song. Um, <laughs> it's killer. But we sing the song out of response of God, you are my living hope. God, without you, I am nothing. Without you, oh, I have no purpose. Without, because of what you've done, God, you're worthy of me going out and witnessing. You're worthy of me going out and preaching the gospel. You're worthy of me laying my life down because you're glorious, you're merciful, you're loving, you're holy. It's all these things. So let's worship tonight out of response. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.